This episode of The Labor of Love is sponsored by Open Account, a podcast series created by Suchin Pak and Umqua Bank. Open Account explores, through honest and sometimes comical interviews, our uncomfortable silence around money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. Long-term relationships take hard work, flexibility, and a lot of communication. And while a professional therapist can help you sort out major problems, some experts claim that a lot of everyday irritations can and maybe should be tackled by couples themselves. In the October issue of Real Simple magazine, we published an in-depth article about so-called do-it-yourself or DIY marriage counseling. We talked to several experienced marriage counselors about common marital problems and asked them for tips for working through them at home. Joining me today to offer advice on how exactly to do this are two of the therapists featured in the article. I'd like to welcome Miles Wagman, a licensed family and marriage therapist and the director of the Relationship Center in Red Bank, New Jersey, and Kathleen Mates-Youngman, a marriage and family therapist in Mission Viejo, California, and author of Couples Therapy. Hi, Miles. Hello. And hi, Kathleen. Hi. Miles, couples often come to you with problems that you think they might have been able to work out on their own? Oftentimes, I think that couples usually come into therapy when the situation has become close to a crisis point. So I think couples can often uh, intervene in their relationship much earlier in the process to uh, try to change the direction it goes. So in the article in Real Simple, we talk about some of the very common feelings that couples have on a day-to-day basis and ways that they might be able to troubleshoot them a little bit before they get to the crisis point that you described. Mm -hmm. One of those things is a very general, common, pervasive feeling, which is just that feeling of being disconnected from each other. I was wondering, Kathleen, what are some ways that couples can get connected again without needing to bring a therapist in to deal with that particular problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually sort of the inspiration for, for my book as well, which is 30 conversations couples can have, is that I encourage couples always to try to carve out even 10 or 15 minutes a day, generally, hopefully at the end of the day after the dishes are done and the kids are in bed and that kind of thing, to just have a non-stressful conversation, to just basically check in and make some eye contact. And, uh, you know, I encourage a ritual of maybe having a cup of tea or something that's sort of soothing and grounding and just, you know, have a few minutes minutes together to just, you know, to just uh, nurture the relationship. And are there any rules that couples should follow during this ritual, meaning should things, topics like work and children and Mm -hmm. schedules be off the (laughs) table for this time? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always say that anything that might get you triggered, you know, anything stressful, yeah, do not discuss it really is just more a time that hopefully I mean, if, if talking about the kids is a sweet thing, isn't that cool that they just did or that this or that or whatever, that's fine. But but nothing that might um, trigger any conflict or tension or distance between them. Miles, one thing that's interesting in long-term relationships is that even though we ostensibly know our partners very well, they're often difficult to talk to. We're not sure how to bring up problems. What do you suggest is the best way to talk to a partner and bring up things that might be bothering you? I think that I think the most important aspect of bringing up problem areas is not to be accusatory. 
mm-hmm. but to own the emotion that it, that it creates inside you, not accuse your partner of doing something that's that's wrong. And I think that changes the tone to allow for more exploration of the feeling that a certain behavior has. So if if they're doing if someone if the husband's having trouble with something his wife's doing, as opposed to starting the sentence with "You do this," and you know, in an accusatory tone, they own the feeling. You know, when you ignore me when I come home, I feel neglected, as opposed to. Why, why are you ignoring me and, and making it more, more of a, a confrontative conversation? Miles, one of the things that you suggested in the Real Simple article that I thought was really interesting was that as a way to reconnect with a partner, you advise that you try to recreate something memorable that you did together in the past, maybe at a time in your relationship when things weren't so stressful. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit more about that and how that might work? I, I work with couples to try to kind of uh, recapture the emotion of a time in their relationship when, when things were less complicated and less problematic and bring those emotions into the present uh, because nothing, nothing stays the same, but that's what joins us together in the beginning of a relationship is the playfulness and the curiosity about each other. And if you can bring those emotions into the present, it really helps. So recreating an earlier date should be fun. You know, sometimes the place has changed or it doesn't, it doesn't exactly, um, it's not consistent with your memories of it. And it becomes a joined, joined feeling. And you're able to take that emotion and build on it. You hear a lot about couples sort of longing for the days when they first met and were first falling in love and longing for those feelings again and having a really hard time recapturing them in the, you know, swirl of everyday life. Should we keep longing for those feelings in those <laughs> days or do we need to move on and sort of accept where things are? That's a good question. I mean, well, I mean, I think it's important to note that there are stages of uh, falling in love and there's the early, you know, stages of uh, kind of, uh, I call it like the love psychosis where we know even, you know, physiologically, there's a lot that's going on with endorphins and dopamine and all that kind of thing and how we sort of settle into more of sort of the oxytocin bonding stages. And that that's not a bad thing. I mean, sometimes people think that, oh, there's something wrong with us that we don't feel that way anymore, instead of maybe appreciating that you've kind of gone into a sort of a more of a a deeper romantic love and more of a bonding love. And that certainly that can ebb and flow in terms of um, the excitement. You can still have some periods of excitement, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So there's the, the appreciation of that. And I think, you know, I, I'm big on, on encouraging people to also own, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing to create that in our relationship? You know, am I acting like someone who would be in a relationship that, that felt that exciting? You know, have I made it a priority? Have I shown my partner I appreciate them regularly and things like that so, so that we can try to um, kind of uh, inspire a little bit more of that into our relationship? We'll be back in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Money is one of the last great taboos, something we all need but rarely dare to discuss until now. Open Account, a series of interviews created by Su Chin Pak and Umpqua Bank, explores our collective uncomfortable silence around money. Honest, emotional, and sometimes comical, Open Account goes deep into the most rewarding, challenging, and paradoxical aspects of the number one leading cause of stress in America, money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. 
Miles, something you mentioned in the article that I think is worth talking a little bit about is that you say that often it's times of transitions that leave couples very vulnerable to problems and that things like, you know, the well-known fact that having small children is often very difficult on a relationship. What are some other times of transition that couples go through that they should be really watchful about and make sure that they don't grow apart during those times? So certainly different life transitions that occur throughout the life cycle. For instance, empty nest being part of that, that developmental stage of couples where the kids leave, leave the house and the couple is forced to kind of redefine their relationship because of, it's different than when they're in the active parenting years. So that would be an example of a kind of a life, life transition. But the, the other types of transitions might be career-oriented. They might be medically-oriented. And, and also sometimes, you know, uh, promo- even good things, promotions, transitions that impact the family and, and the, and the uh, marriage in significant ways. Kathleen, have you seen that in your practice as well, that those transition times are particularly fraught sometimes with, in couples? Absolutely, they can be, and certainly depending upon you know how healthy the attachment and connection is you know already in the relationship. But if it's been a little wobbly, those those times of transition can be even even more difficult uh, for for couples to to move through, and and certainly can you know threaten the relationship if they if they don't really nurture that and take care of that. On that note, one of the things that we talked about in this article that was one of the things that people should be really aware of is that the fear of infidelity, whether or not it's actually happening, is something that is a common problem and is often something that people either come to see a therapist about or are sort of stewing about themselves. Mm -hmm. What advice, Kathleen, do you give to couples where one person thinks that infidelity might be going on? How How should they tackle that problem? Well, certainly, uh, when I meet with couples, I meet with them, you know, together the first time, and then I do like to meet with them individually uh, at least once to get some history on on, on their their life history and relationship history and so forth. So at a time like that, if someone might share, or if they've even had shared in the couple session that I'm a little concerned about that, I'll want to know more about that and about why, and then certainly would want to be able to address that in couples therapy. I mean, I won't work with couples if there is an ongoing affair going on. That's a whole other conversation. But uh, because it's just not, it's just not going to work. But if there is a fear, I want to look more at why. And and generally, there again, there's been some disconnect, or maybe the the physical intimacy has really waned in the relationship. And kind of look at, at what's going on in in that in that arena. Why why the desire is changing, and and the effort maybe, and so on and so forth. And Miles, you, what advice would you give to couples if one member of the couple who's trying to work things out? Um, with their partner, but is starting to do things like looking for clues for Im- of infidelity and maybe sleuthing a little bit. Um, is that a healthy thing to do? Is that a bad idea? I'm, I never recommend being a detective in your own relationship, in your own marriage, <laughs> because it, it's um, most people that I that I see don't want to live that way, where they have to, you know, they can only trust trust their spouse based on what they found or what they haven't found. You know, so I think that brings brings it to a different level when you begin to look at trust as a mechanism in the marriage and how it's usually connected with this with this um, distancing and being disconnected. And once you bring the two together, 
you're often able to find wh- where the problems are and address those problems, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a therapy process. When people, you know, when one member of a couple is concerned about an issue or various issues, whether or not they're going to try to tackle it in a DIY fashion or whether they're going to try to get them um, and their partner into therapy, what if one... What if the other member of the couple just isn't really that amenable to it? What if he, What if they don't want to kind of uncover things? I mean, I think that one of the things that's really difficult about talking to your spouse is that it's really difficult. And so a lot of people try to avoid it. What is, what's your advice for the partner who's trying to work on it but is meeting with resistance? Maybe you can take this one, uh, Miles. There's, a, there's a, a, certainly a school of... Um thought in the marital therapy community about being able to do a marital therapy with just one partner. And I think to some extent, I agree, it's useful for that person to come to see a therapist to just explore their perspective of the relationship. And oftentimes, the therapy is more focused on giving them insights into what might be happening and suggestions that they could try at home to try to re-engage with their spouse. But oftentimes my, my goal in, in, the, in those situations is to try to work with one spouse to be able to get the other spouse to join us in therapy because usually that means, in my experience, that the, the couple is pretty um, separate and apart and needs, and needs help in reconnecting. How about you, Kathleen? What do you say to the person who's trying to work through things either on their own or in a therapy environment but the other partner is just not? not with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, A, we can't control anyone else, you know, um, so certainly I agree that ideally we like to have both partners, uh, you know, coming in and, and so that it can truly be couples therapy, otherwise it's really not. But that being said, you know, very often I see individuals as well and very often the focus of, of the, the treatment at some point has to do with their significant relationships. And so um, I do believe that, you know, a change in one part of the system does impact the whole system. And and depending on the degree of dysfunction, um, that can make a big difference. And if I can help one person to understand more of, of their part in the dance, in the relationship dance, and maybe to learn more about themselves, and um, they, I find that they can they kind of sort of take that home and, and possibly have some positive momentum, again, depending on, depending on how serious the dysfunction is. So for my final question, I wanted to reach out to both of you to get your best advice for couples that are going to try to go at working through problems on their own in their own homes before maybe reaching out to involve a therapist. Miles, what would you say are the, you know, give us a few tips for how couples can do this successfully on their own? I think the primary, the primary change that, that in order for that to have any chance of success is if both parties, if both spouses commit and decide to make the relationship a priority. So in some ways, it takes more of a priority than even parenting the kids at certain points in time. So they have to decide when they're going to spend that 20 minutes together. They're going to deci- they have to decide how, how they're going to manage the conflict in their relationship so it doesn't intrude on this priority to keep, keep the marriage connected. And it's about deciding what activities they can do together that would work for both of them 
to kind of bring back those those emotions that that people lose lose touch with over the years um, that were there in the beginning of the relationship. How they can bring those those emotions into the the present. So um, if they can agree on ways to do that, I think that the, that they. Uh, they have a chance of, of reconnecting and having their marriage kind of go in, in the direction that's much more comfortable and much more effective for them. Kathleen, what is your takeaway for those who are trying to work through things on their own? Yeah, I agree. I think that um, people are sometimes surprised to, to learn how how little time can really make a, a big difference. I mean, just we know even from the research taking a few minutes a day to like check in how's your day going to be today and giving you know a kiss kisses hello and goodbye and just even smiling when you first walk in the door and not kind of starting off with venting and things like that and even that with maybe one date night or date walk on you know the park or whatever just those few things can make a huge difference and people I think sometimes feel that it takes much more than that also giving themselves permission to do that I do a lot of you know emphasizing about in my in my opinion the couple is the foundation of the family and that people sometimes need to give themselves permission to carve out that time and not feel selfish by, you know, by doing so. And then ultimately, I do want to add in too, if that is seriously that difficult for them, if there are all sorts of reasons, which often, again, is what we see in our offices, that they come up, up with what that they can, then again, I think that there are underlying issues that need to be looked at. What's really gotten in the way? What other hurt, you know, relationship injuries and resentments and things might, might be, you know, brewing that have not been discussed that maybe we can just help tease out a little bit. And that makes, you know, kind of opens the door to them wanting to be friendlier with each other. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Miles Wagman, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Kathleen Mates, Youngman, thank you too. Thank you for having us. It was, it was really enjoyable. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If there's a topic you'd like to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.